It was a golden age for all mankind. Using the incredible exoskeletons called E-frames, we had successfully terraformed Venus and Mars and were poised to move on to the outer planets. Suddenly, it all ended. We were pressed into a nightmarish war on a scale previously unimagined. We were attacked by our own creations, the Neo-Sapiens, a race of artificially created humans. Led by Phaeton, they have seized control of Venus, Earth, and Mars. This is Lieutenant J.T. Marsh, member of the Exofleet, leader of a small band of E-frame pilots dedicated to freeing humanity from Neo-Sapien rule. We are the Exo Squad. Hello, everyone, and welcome to your uncle's beach house, episode twelve. I'm Jackson. I'm joined by M. Uh, it's not Gundam time. It's not. <laughs> no, couldn't be less Gundam time. Well, we'll see. And we are joined today by our guest, Justin. Say hello. Hello, this is Justin. Hello. Uh, we're here to watch. Uh, well, you. Why don't you tell us what you picked, Justin? Uh, you. So I picked the '90s cartoon Exo Squad. Yes. And. And uh, I picked it because six months is a long time. I was originally going to do some anime, like maybe Millennium Actress or something. But then I was like, huh, Exo Squad's pretty... It was actually a random Gundam episode where you're all like, we'll watch cartoons. And I was like, hey, Exo Squad's pretty interesting and weird. You should pick that. And yeah, it's fun. I yeah. enjoy it. So did you watch this like when it was airing? Yeah, I watched it. When it was airing, so I would have been six. So I was watching it around the time of Batman and uh, X-Men, the, the animate series. Okay. But yeah, it's very different cartoon than the other ones. Yes. Because people, a lot of people die. <laughs> That's not what happens in American <laughs> cartoons. In this era, no, absolutely not. I think I find a lot of people are eliminated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yes. Uh, so I guess we should just get into it. Exo Squad is a show that aired from 1993 to 1994. Uh, it has two seasons. We are watching the first season, which is 13 episodes. The next season is much longer. Uh, this was created by Jeff Siegel. He created uh, Challenge the Gobots, which is an 80s show that just seems like fake Transformers I have never seen. Uh, and uh, this was uh, created by Universal Cartoon Studios. Uh, came on... Uh, MCA TV's Universal Family Network block and is meant to be a response to like the increase of, of like Western awareness of anime. Um, and you can tell because it's what if a plot of Gundam had action figures as all the characters and designs. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, so this uh, roughly uh, the, the Wikipedia just uh, takes place in the year 2119. Uh, Humanity has expanded beyond Earth. They have terraformed Venus and Mars. And in doing that, uh, they created a, like, slave race called the Neo-Sapiens, which are these big, uh, like, alien-looking guys uh, that are, like, kind of purpley, blue, I don't know, uh, yeah. colors. Uh, and uh, they are, like, stronger and better and whatever, and they just had them as slaves. And then they revolted because, you know, don't have slaves. And they fought for their independence. They got their independence. And, you know, now that they have their independence, maybe they are going to uh, militarize and go too far and attack the humans, uh, which is what the major plot of this is. Humanity getting uh, invaded by the Neo-Sapiens. And their leader, Phaeton. 
<laughs> yes, and uh, and the one rogue squad of people who ride in mechs uh, that is the Exo Squad, and they're here to fight against both the ineptitude of Earth military and the Neo Sapien threat. So that's kind of what we're dealing with here. Yes. Um, uh, where do we want to begin? Because so there's the three main three storylines in this first season. Uh, yeah, the first one is a five-part storyline that gets us to the point where the opening monologue is true. Uh, yes, <laughs> which is very confusing because there's an opening monologue of the show, and then there's a second in-universe opening monologue that's only about the first revolt. So when you watch it, you're like, "Hang on, what?" Uh, and, and then you eventually realize what they're doing. Um, yeah, so the, the thing when we first got this as a thing to watch, we watched the opening. I like saw the opening monologue. I was like, "Hmm, do they know what they're doing here?" Because this is a fraught thing to deal with, uh, you know. Because like the the yeah, the enemy is the slaves that are trying to get theirs against the people who once enslaved them. And I'm like, ah, that's fraught. Uh, that's fraught for any show, but definitely an American cartoon from 1993. Extremely fraught feeling. Uh, turns out that like the thing that I was continually surprised with is how much nuance was in a like a cartoon like this like is it not perfect absolutely not but i think they know more than i was ever expecting throughout yes um yeah they swing for the fences in ways that i think like makes it more uncomfortable but i'm glad they have the ambition yes uh, yeah because there's definitely bits where i'm like oh you've gone into some bad territory here but if they you know it only happened because they went for it yeah like concentration yes. camps and stuff uh Frying people in the sun in Venus. Uh, yeah, crazy. Uh, I always think of the Simpsons episode where they do that <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> um, so I guess we should start with the, the various arcs. The first arc is the fall of the human empire, uh, which is about humanity mobilizes against a pirate human fleet that is out in space, uh, and in doing so, uh, it allows uh, the Neo Sapiens in gestures of like, we're going to work together against the pirates to just come in and drop their military on Earth and just sweep the Earth military because everyone's out in deep space fighting a different war, um, which is very good. Yes. Yeah, when I rewatched it, I was surprised about how long it took for the Neo Sapiens to strike. It was like three and a half episodes. It was crazy. Mm hmm. And we st we start in like a situation where Phaeton, leader of the Neo Sapiens, is on Earth. He is making gestures towards peace. You don't trust them because every time he says anything, the music plays an ominous tone under him. <laughs> um, but also, he's working with just the worst Earth government possible. Like this is the through line from Gundam: is that Earth government sucks. <laughs> yep. Yes, it does. Um, I really like the uh, early stuff with them. Um... Uh, Phaeton and the like episode two that was mostly around him coming to earth trying to make this peace agreement uh and they play like a while like, oh, could he have something more sinister going on and like i've i've watched the opening monologue of the show <laughs> i know where this is going um but i do like that uh it's very clear that just the humans are just kicking off right without any provocation yeah. Well, yeah, because, like, the main thrust of that episode, like, in terms of character stuff, is the police Shitty officer cop. guy, Napier, yeah, he prevents the assassination of Phaeton, and then Phaeton's like, thanks for saving me, and then he gets kicked off the police force for, like, accepting that. Or, like, yeah. for being, like... For like, being, being very like, racist. Angry. Yes. For being super racist, but still, like, doing his job, and, like, the weird geopolitical turmoil of Earth is really interesting. Yeah. I wish we had more of that, but... Oh, well. But once they sweep in and, like, make Chicago the new, like, center of Neo-Sapien rule on Earth, like, the way in which Earth is, like, like, humans are collaborators, but, like, 
also like afraid of their lives and that fuels their collaboration but that's never shown as particularly sympathetic because they all fucking suck i think is really interesting yes uh, because that stuff, like, uh, the Exo Squad is what it is. Like, they're just a bunch of, you know, roughneck mech pilots. But uh, the rest of the humans, just shitbags. And for reasons that are, like, valid or not, but they always pick the wrong choice every single time. Yeah. I don't think there's, like, a noble human in this show. No. Um, I, I was really impressed with specifically the Napier stuff. Uh, because, like, the whole his whole thing, right, is that he is too racist to be a cop <laughs> yes uh, which ends up being like that's what makes him a, a good soldier but it's not like portrayed as like a cool noble thing right like he's a shitbag when the exo squad come to earth uh yes. he's a shitbag yeah. all the time he's just like a really shitty guy and the show's pretty honest about that in ways that uh was surprising the show is yeah. anti-cop <laughs> Uh, it's interesting because there's whole scenes where like Marcus, who's the main Exo Squad guy, is like talking to people, and the conversations they're having are like not like they're not jokey and they're not particularly like one-liner driven. They're just like human drama, but everyone looks like an action figure. And I cannot impress enough how weird this is for me, <laughs> who who like when I grew up, I wasn't really interested in shows that look like this because like I was watching like Looney Tunes and Batman. I didn't have time for the action figure shows, um, and so. It was weird because I was I was expecting a show that was much more like what little I'd seen of like G.I. Joe or Transformers, which is often a very like quippy, everyone is cool show. And everyone here is just kind of like low-key miserable and it plays it really straight. Yes. Yeah. Except in the designs where everyone just has head socks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, everyone, everyone's wearing a different, like a different uniform. Like they all came out of a different line. Yeah. Yes. And the Gambit head sock is back. Oh, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. I think every woman has it in this show. Yep. Yeah. And it's it's always hiding a very weird strip of like buzzed hair. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And at the back of all their head socks, they've got like this cyber matrix plug that they connect to their E-frames uh, when Marcus goes frame up. <laughs> yes. Which is very stupid. Um, yeah, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot happening with the designs here, um, which is fine. It, it is interesting because everyone does feel like a weird melange, but the Neo Sapiens all just kind of feel like aliens on a show. Like they're not that different than like the Star Trek, like aliens with funny foreheads brigade, right? No. Yeah. Uh, which I think uh, like automatically like endears me to them as the sympathetic force. Also, they're, they're, they're slaves who revolted. Like I'm, my sympathies are with them. And I think the show like doesn't necessarily disagree but i don't think it's all in on that i i mean i think it's very x-men inspired right it's like yes. you have marcella who's like obviously we were right to do the first rebellion but this second one is too far uh well what like, i find interesting is at the beginning it seems like the neo sapiens are in a decent place because they basically control mars so mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting that they're not still being super oppressed but they still you know rise up because McFaiton has a uh, speech where he's like, when when we when we're gonna be strong, we can you know protect ourselves, which makes them sympathetic, but they're not quite being just ramrodded over. I mean, it's important to note that like the posi the strong-ish position they have at the beginning of the show, literally only came because of a uh, slave revolt that they yes. did fifty years ago, and now all of humans hate them for doing for murdering too many humans yes. in their like rebellion for their own kind of like recognition um yeah 
and Phaeton's position is just no we're not gonna like have these concessions right we're just gonna we're just gonna take it <laughs> gonna take the whole thing uh it's also like in this situation humanity is doing a really good job of like colonizing the rest of the solar system around the neo sapiens like they have their planet but that's all they're ever going to have unless they come into conflict with humanity yeah. yes like it, it's not a neutral state out in space it is the earth government controlling everything yep why have you heard that before <laughs> <laughs> i, I don't know because um, the producer said, like, if Gundam is meant to be the Pacific Theater, Exosquad's meant to be the European theater of, like, a World War II analog, which I think is interesting, especially in the second arc. Because um, the second arc is so much about the Exosquad going, like, after all this has happened and the Neo Sapiens have taken over Earth, it's about them going to Venus and interacting with, like, on the ground resistance forces there as they are, like, struggling and starving out. Um, yeah. which is definitely meant to be like, you know, we're going into Paris yes. and fighting with them against the Nazis. It's absolutely just the, like the Paris analog is one-to-one. <laughs> yes. Um, which, uh, this is my favorite arc. I think this stuff is really interesting. It's much messier, um, because the resistance fighters are schemers and backstabbers way more than the Neo-Sapiens are. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is my least favorite arc. Um, okay. But... It mostly has to do with how it leans into and doesn't really entangle like the messiness of making your villains aliens. Um, mm-hmm. well, because they are, what, te- they what, are what, technically humans, which is weird. Yeah, they're not like alien aliens, but, I guess. Well, no, but like there's a scene, there's literally a scene, and the show, like parts of it contradict this, but only because the, everyone's a character. It doesn't like dig into this. But there's like a scene where what they've done is they've made. Like an act, a show about a slave revolt, but the slaves are actually genetically enhanced, but like they don't have the creative imagination of the humans. It's like I, this is some really uncomfortable stuff that you've yeah. blundered into here uh, by make like you know it's it's again kind of the X Men thing, right? Where what if you make your uh, metaphor for racism uh, people who can do ridiculous like people who are walking bombs. Um, and it's not quite that level of uncomfortable. It's like definitely more nuanced than than uh, some of the X Men cartoon. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to speak for all X Men comics. So there's a whole spectrum there, uh, but I do think that the this middle arc is where it gets kind of really uncomfortable with that because I, I don't know what we're meant to think about the um, Neo Sapien scientist uh, who's been kidnapping the the human scientist and like stealing his inventions. Because he's presented as sympathetic, but you're also—he's also like clearly on the show's bad guy side and doesn't like turn around. And it's kind of meant to be like, haha, he—he he failed at the end. He shouldn't have, you know, he shouldn't have tried to kidnap this human's creation. I was like, I don't really know what they're saying with this. I'm very, very confused. Also, it's all around like literally like a weapon of mass destruction, right? Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it's like like who's the one in charge of building the nuke is not like. And, and like either of them are meant to be maybe sympathetic is like a fraught question on the face of it. Yeah, but that's like a, you know I've played Metal Gear. Like that's a, that's, yes, that's no, a I, long I long story tradition of the scientists are very sympathetic as they they invent bombs. Well, yes. well, Algernon is not sympathetic at all because he's just like I'm gonna create bombs and I don't really care who's in charge. So yes, yeah. I, no matter what side you're on, the the people who Exo Squad hates the most are collaborators. Yep. Yes. Uh, which is true up and down, but this guy in particular is just like, 
like the weird haughty like it's weird because like he is in a position of power because he's blackmailing the uh neo sapien who's in charge of the weapons program who is just the sweatiest like man just constantly afraid that he's going to be found out uh which is like fun on the face of it but also like the implication that like the neo sapiens aren't capable of inventing a weapon so powerful is fraught considering that they have done pretty well for themselves otherwise and the rest of the neo sapiens are not depicted that way like it's not like it's not like a Marsala or Phaeton are like incapable of imagination and creation and well, whatnot. Like they're 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 friends and have ambitions and are people. But they do have multiple moments where Phaeton is uh, not Phaeton, where Marsala is just data. Like they do lean into him like oh he doesn't really understand the human connection way. He's a programmed like he talks. About- I would I would say there's a bit in the third arc that definitely shows that he <laughs> has just let them believe that and that is not true. Well yes. No, obviously because then he goes and, you know, stages the full episode deception. Yes. Um, but they do like um, have with- to teach him what a bluff is at the start of that arc, right? Like Yes. I, I feel like it is portrayed as he is becoming more human because of the influence of his exosquad friends, rather than mm. uh obviously everyone in this show is a person because that's how stories work. We you know, aliens aren't real. <laughs> sure. I mean there's also like part of pitching a show in like nineties cartoon <laughs> themes that is like aimed at children, right? Yes. Like there's some things you kinda have to create a big runway to get people to buy into mm-hmm. yeah it took uh a whole uh gundam and a half until we were like zeon are good <laughs> actually <laughs> as long as they're not zombies i guess it did yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah. but yeah uh, they go to venus uh there's this amazing bit where they're taking a bunch of prisoners to venus to work in the labor camp and it turns out that that's just a lie that they're throwing these people in the sun because they're like we have collaborators why would we take prisoners who hate us and make them work in our like super high-tech factories that's ridiculous we just throw them into the sun <laughs> i love that it was ridiculous uh, like, they- which is like yeah it's it's cartoonish villain but also like is one of those things where like you know what this is a valid point you're doing an evil thing but it's a valid point yeah yeah what I- what I liked is it low-key uh, told you that the collaborator woman's, like, husband and child uh, got incinerated in the sun. But, like, they didn't, like, do the cartoon thing of just, like, and, oh, my God, my wife and uh, my husband and child are dead. Like, it just low-key, you're like, oh, man, that's sad. But, yeah. Yep. Uh, also, like, to throw some water on the idea that, like, they had to teach Marsala how to bluff, like, in the second arc, he totally just, like, acts as a enemy soldier and is bluffing that entire time. He is playing these humans for fools. I refuse to believe it's not that. I mean, you can believe that, but I'm, I will take the show on face value when it has a scene about, like, human nature through poker, right? Like, I think that- well, Yeah, but he, when he's like, I don't understand what this deception is, when he did a deception three episodes ago, like, this is their racism. And I don't think the show is necessarily aware of that, but I'm willing to do the, like, connecting the dots the show accidentally blunders into. Oh, yes. No, we all are. But in, in when I'm here to talk about, like, the missteps the shows make, I think that is one of them. Mm-hmm. Because, um, yeah, Marcel is, like, cool, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the third arc has uh, the Exo Squad uh, as the very Kiriko Kuve caught between <laughs> warring middle managers uh, as they are sent on a mission by a, like the uh, captain who's like, I think the admirals are cowards and I think we should just go and take the fight to the Neo Sapiens. Like, well, you're going to get us all killed. They're like, well, that's orders. And so they have to go and uh, try not to get themselves all killed. Yep. And he stages, um, stages the mutiny against the admiral and 
Yeah. You know, meanwhile, uh, Marsala is pretending to turn everyone over to a Phaeton, uh, not telling any of his squad because they could all be like mind read by a device. Um, and so they they torture Marsh to get the information out of him. Uh, he doesn't have any. And then it turns out that Marsala has tricked them all. And this leads to my favorite scene in this entire show that we watched. Because after he pulls everyone out, uh, Marsh is like, man, I had you had me fooled. I thought that you had totally turned on us. Uh, I can't believe that you're on our side. And he's like, while I am like siding with you, nothing I said when I was playing villain was wrong. You have treated us like shit. You continue to treat us like shit. That wasn't an exaggeration. That is just the reality of the world. Yep. Because yep. he, he does the thing and he like turns over to the other side, quote unquote, for this episode, and like you're like, well, I know this is a lie, and um, but then he gives like so many speeches about like you made slaves, then you treated them like slaves, and now you're mad that they like fight for any kind of recognition. What is wrong with you? Uh, mm-hmm. And while he's in his villain persona, oh, yeah, and then <laughs> Marshall comes out and was like, well, I mean, you don't. You, you, you did make a little too much sense there, Marcella. <laughs> he's like, well, yeah, no shit. Uh, the thing with, like, the, like, slavery analog here that's interesting is, like, this is closer to something like the droids in Star Wars, because they're creations, right? Yes. But they're also people, and I like that this show is just willing to grapple with that in, you know, it's 2019. Star Wars still doesn't grapple with the droids or people, and they're all, pop- like, people's property, and no one talks about it. Um the the en- I like that the show is willing to grab onto that with its own two hands. It does it through like kind of a weird like X Men metaphor because X Men was very popular at this point. Yes. But um I think I think like if you look past the part where like, you know, there's the analog in like another popular cartoon at the time, what they're really talking about is like robot personhood just through the idea of like we created people instead of machines. Yes. Yeah. Um and I think so the the end of the season, like hints at this going in some weird directions mm-hmm. uh, as there are two moments where suddenly in a very oh this is an anime way uh, they all they like start psychically communing uh, with their exosuits with yes. their A-frames yeah. and uh, Marsh is like falls in and says goodbye Marsh and he's like what the fuck's up with that that was weird <laughs> And then Marcel's like, man, you humans got to stop making people. <laughs> and then they just, just kind of leave it at that. And I'm like, okay, uh, I assume they'll dig into this next season. I can't remember yeah. how that goes, but I'm pretty sure it goes in some strange places. Like, oh. season two is, gets pretty wild. It, it's, it finishes the war. Like, it's a complete story, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, the thing I've heard is that it does wrap it up, but then the last episode is like a cliffhanger for either a third season or a movie that never came about, which would be like a different kind of story. Yeah, I think they were going to introduce like actual alien threat that yeah. was going to come in and fight them. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, sounds... I just I saw just enough plot points to make me really interested in season two because it seems like it goes for it yeah. in a way that I wasn't really expecting. I would like yeah. to watch it, but it's also 30 episodes long and yes. the, sh- <laughs> the show looks... Like, it looks ugly. Like, it's a bad-looking show. It has exactly uh, eight bars of music. Uh, <laughs> it does have eight bars of music. <laughs> um, and so, like, it's not watchable in the way that anime is. Even though I'm like, oh, you go for it with the themes, it's still a kind of awkward-to-watch show. My favorite thing it does, which I I don't watch a mud, like very many uh, like Western cartoons anymore of this vintage that I think is very funny, is the going to commercial break and then coming back just for the credits. Yes. Yeah. 
uh which is extremely because they try to do like the anime eye catches and stuff which like wasn't cartoons at the time but they are definitely pulling from that more directly than normal uh but because it's a western show there's like three commercial breaks instead of just the mid one so can someone explain that when does when does american tv cut to commercial because uk you have one commercial in the middle of the show and then one between shows on the hour and a half hour a half hour show would usually have like a like you know right before the show starts there's commercials and usually like kind of act breaks so there'd probably be like three commercials one of them would be like right before the credits that one might be cut honestly uh because a lot of shows as they began to crunch for time would just like show the credits in like a picture in picture while the commercial was playing yeah uh, or advertisements for other shows on i mean yeah like you know kids shows the credits move to the side of the screen yeah. Also, uh, I I would not be surprised if this ran in syndication. They would just cut the like prelude out of these episodes and get more uh, like cutting the front of and backs of television shows is a long-standing television tradition. I just don't. Yeah, I I don't understand when ads come in TV shows because like I've experienced it sometimes. Like, wait, you have an act right like an advert right after the opening credits. What is wrong with you? Yeah. I mean, I also must impress. I have not watched like live Actual broadcast television, television yeah. in 16, 17 years. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty much same. Yeah, yeah, I haven't watched oh. it in a bit either. Yeah, commercials. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's also uh, like the implication that Phaeton's going to become even more of like a weird villain at the end of this, uh, because uh, he does not handle everything else going well and is just like like a super neo sapien by the end of this yeah uh, they start doing weird like they like do genetic splicing like there's like neo sapiens crossed with like animals it gets weird in the second season but yeah phaeton like they get like they introduce this like genetic disease that he has and he's like degenerating and stuff it's it's wild mm-hmm. yeah which is stuff that like is definitely like the ground is laid for this because the idea like they have like breeding facilities like they can't make like they don't have children like normal people because they're not normal people they're grown beings um which is all interesting stuff that i would like to see more of yeah because on some level like their resource constraint limits their ability to like be a people in society long term right like if they're on mars and they need like facilities and technology to make more people and the rest of the place is settled by humans who hate them eventually they can't make people like they're going to die out like by their very nature Mm-hmm. Which gets into some like real Krogan shit, right? <laughs> Absolutely, and it also like the show hasn't got round to this, but it, it raises the question, right? When they introduce the breeding facilities of, uh, this is like a race of people, but they have to be made. So for them to exist, someone still has to like make them uh, mm-hmm. artificially and f- force them to exist. And is that a thing you can do like ethically if you're going to become a state yourself? Uh, and this show's not really interested in that that kind of question, um, but it's, it's there. I don't know. They can do wilder I mean, things. Once once you create people, you have to let them create more people. Right. Otherwise, you're the person who have, has done the harm. Exactly. Right? Like, yes. Did no one thought about what it meant to like birth a new society? But like, what happens when like say they do win this war and there's no humans, and then they get to like who is in charge of what it means to make more people, even if they're all the same race now? Because there's still someone yeah. in charge of making people at that point. The structures don't yes. go away. Yeah, and like as much as I might sympathize with the Neo Sapiens, Phaeton sucks. 
yeah. I was hoping he would be cool because he's cool at the start. In the in the first thing before he re- reveals that he's just going to be like a boring villain, uh, there's this arc where one of the episodes is kind of focused around him discovering this um, other Neo Sapien trying to sell him out, being like, mm-hmm. "No, you've gone too violent." <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm like, get his ass face on. <laughs> uh, uh, but throughout the show, he's just kind of a boring leader. Uh, I don't do much with him. Just kind of like a villainous figure. Uh, yeah, he's not like the Magneto, right? Like in their fake X Men version, he's not yeah. like the charismatic leader who you can rally behind. Yeah, like like Marsala's the Magneto, right? Like he's just on the wrong side right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would really like a a, a ver- like in a season two or whatever going forward for Marsala or someone like Marsala to exist on the Neo Sapien side. Yeah, I, I definitely want more Neo Sapien like just examination of what the society is like. Because mm-hmm. um, at the end they get into like uh, it's they turn on Phaeton pretty quick uh, <laughs> when there is an opportunity for them to be in charge. Uh, yes. So there's an idea of like, oh, there's division in the Neo Sabian ranks. Uh, they're all power hungry or whatever. Um, but it doesn't really get into like the causes of that and why the backstabbing is going on. Uh, mm. Because the humans are just as backstabby. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, uh, what other points do you want to hit? It's been a good conversation, but I don't know how how many more things you want to say about <laughs> Exo Squad. Um, in in terms of like the production like we talked about how it's anime whatever but like there's stuff that goes for like a grimness that i was really surprised by uh when um um, burns lands on venus and sees her like family or and people are just like emaciated uh that's like horrifying in a way that like i don't see in these stories very often right like yes no one in gundam is starving to death in a cave yeah uh yeah that was rough it's very strange, like, the things it can and can't do, right? Because there's that yes. scene where she walks into, like, into Venus. People are literally, like, weird husks uh, looking kind of like the really old people in Vodums. Like, they're really exaggeratedly drawn. Like, these yes. are starving people. Um, mm-hmm. And then she just sees... But then they can't say anyone gets, gets killed. Right. And, <laughs> and, like, and then when they get shot, they just kind of fall back against the wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then yeah. get up again. Um, no... It's better than when it, around this time in DBZ where they could couldn't say kill, they would say sin to the next dimension. So, yeah. Oh, the shadow like operating the shadow realm. We're also operating in like you know GI Joe has to parachute out of every airplane that gets blown up, right? Yeah. No, like, I, I understand no the error, but it is very yeah. funny because it like it, yes. not being able to actually like show the like uh, immediate um, like. What's the, what's the word just the, the force of seeing someone die right like that is key mm-hmm. to gundam like mm-hmm. th- that lady gets killed because uh a shell falls on her these this is stuff yes. that the, this show just like cannot even touch uh and they know so they have to kind of write around it but it does definitely limit what they can say in this exact type of show that's drawing from gundam and other anime mm-hmm uh, because of that, I find that, like, the action is, like, not super dynamic, but feels crunchy in a way that's, like, really interesting to me. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot... Ha- whenever a battle happens, it's just, like, a bunch of uh, lights and explosions that have no context. And part of that is because you have to dodge, like, censorship rules. But also it creates this, like, deep sense of, like, confusion on the battlefield that I think is, like, really good. 
because um, like the the e-frames themselves are like whatever I, I i'm not like particularly a fan of them but the way in which they interact with like capital ships and giant beam weapons and the big shield that crushes fleets i think is really good at doing scale well yeah uh in a way that i wasn't really expecting i, I would agree because because they are just like five guys and some mechs like they can't actually do a whole lot no one is the gundam right yeah. no um, so you have much more like squad based black ops stuff like they do as much even more on foot than they do in the e-frames throughout the show like a guy getting out of the robot and just getting a gun and going into a cave is capable of doing something in a way that like i don't think of when i think of mecha yeah it's not like they are all um melanic right it's not like super cool to fight no. mechs uh, no. Like mechs are like a big like they make it uh, clear that an E-frame is like turning the tides of these wars technologically, but it's not like so big a deal that it's like massive. It's not like they're like tanks, whereas the Gundam is a nuke, right? Like yes. when it comes to the yeah. metaphors here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, the Neo Sapiens have mechs, which is good, but it uh, highlights that I wish the Neo Sapiens were bigger. I wish they were Zentradi sized and in mechs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just looking for those big men. Big men. <laughs> new bio <laughs> do we want to hit any other points I feel like I've said most of what I want to say about Exo Squad season 1 it was mostly I was, I was I was really surprised by this I was kind of like I don't know this is very much out of my wheelhouse but I ended up being very delighted by a lot of it um, and I, I, I really want to kind of see it out. So I'm excited to hopefully maybe pick at this in the future. Yeah. Um, I was surprised at how, like, the response to me just randomly tweeting about it on Main was, because I had never heard of the show. I was like, oh, shit, Extra Squad, that's Masala. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I literally had never heard of the show before. I had to look it up, figure out what it was. <laughs> never heard of the show, but there's totally some real Extra Squad nostalgia out there. And it's like, it's fine. It is like after my time and I'm in the wrong country. Uh, so I understand why I've never heard of it, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's weirder for me because like I was eight when the show came out. Like it's directly and like marketed at, would have been marketed at me. I was just busy watching Power Rangers or something. Yeah. I forget how influential the show was because this was before like Gundam Wing and stuff in the States. But like, yeah. yeah. So like I watched it as a kid, then kind of forgot about it because season two was aired at like three o'clock in the morning for some reason. So I never saw it. Mm-hmm. Of course it was. Cartoons never change. Well, yeah, the the show was like well received, like critically, because there wasn't a whole lot right. like it, right? Like, you know, like this is the era of Batman, but like Batman's not touching on war stuff the way Exo Squad is. No, Batman just like looks incredible. <laughs> yeah, and so you have people who like grew up on Transformers or GI Joe going into the show and probably having their mind blown a little bit, right? Right, because it's not like ter- there are definitely we have watched recently anime worse about handling these exact themes than this show is. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so Macross th- 2 happened to all of us. <laughs> I met Aldo Zero, but all of it. Oh yeah, Aldo Zero too. Yes. Uh, so it's not like, it's not like, oh, this this is just what you deal with when you can't get real anime. Like it's fine. It pulls its weight. Like it gets in some fraught stuff that I think is problematic and unfortunate. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, anime is not perfect. It's often very bad. <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah, I understand why if you watch this in uh, 93 as a teen or a kid, you're like, holy shit, it's a war story. Also, the toys were really good. They were really good toys. I bet, because like, 
these characters are clearly built to be toys, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, getting an action figure that looks exactly like the thing on the screen is a thing that anime is kind of bad at. Uh, and this show would be very good at. <laughs> Yeah, um, they all just look. But like yeah, supposedly, things. like this show did really well. But by the time it was like we want to make a season three, uh, like consolidation had happened, animation had changed, and no one was paying for like these kind of action shows anymore, and so they just canceled it. Yeah, I definitely. Which is a real shame. The era of this kind of show is like right. Uh, it's like a, it looks like an '80s show, even though it's in the '90s. Yeah. Yeah, like if this had ran in the '80s, it absolutely would have gotten that third season as a movie, and we would have Orson Welles in it voicing a Neo Sapien. Yes. <laughs> Yes. If only. I can't wait for you to watch Transformers movie and be very disappointed because Orson Welles has about six lines. I know. I know that's true. I knew that was true forever. That's yeah. why I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Because you tell me that Orson Welles is voicing a planet and I'm like, yo. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But all I've ever heard is that that's not as good as you think it is. It's really so, not. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I was... Uh, I must have really liked it and was happy to watch it. I would like to see season two, but I don't know, you know, don't know when. There's lots of things I'd like to see, but I am definitely interested. Yeah. Um, do you have any further thoughts? I don't. I don't. I. I was like I said. I was. I was very delighted by this. I'm glad we watched it because I didn't think this kind of show would be, would have been possible under these conditions, and I was very wrong. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, if no one else has anything else to say, then that's it uh, for the beach house. Does would you? Do you have anything? Uh, I was just—we haven't really talked about the characters. Uh, there's not really much, but I think they're all pretty, pretty good. They get a little... I really like—I—I'm I, I, here for Marsala, obviously the favorite. Um, I like—I like Blonsky is just the worst fucking guy in the world. He just sucks so much. Yes. <laughs> mm. He—he he really does. Um, he really does. The show is definitely, I feel like, weak with characters. Not necessary to its detriment, though. Um, because it's just like all themes all the time, which is not what I expect from <laughs> car- action figure cartoons from the nineties. Yeah. Because uh, instead, instead of really digging it, like no one really gets too much interiority. They're just kind of what they are. Uh, Marcella gets the most nuance, um, and there's a couple of people who get like, oh, why are they collaborating stories? But like, we don't understand what Bronsky's deal is, right? Yeah. <laughs> he just sucks. Yeah. Uh, I also really like the scenes. I don't remember her name because uh, I watched this two weeks ago. Uh, the the woman who keeps call like doing the voice uh, like messages like at night, like she's just in bed talking into a video screen. Uh, I think that stuff is really good. Um, that stuff's pretty good. Yeah, I also remember her name. Yeah, I watched it. It's uh, like it's ago. like really reflective and interesting. I think her name is Nara Burns or something like that. She's a, yeah, she's okay. a second in command. Yeah, that stuff is just, like, thoughtful and a good framing device for, like, the emotional content of people in here, because there's a lot of, like, everyone gruffly giving orders and running around and not a lot of, like, sitting and reflecting on stuff, and having that in those sequences, I think, is really good. Because uh, you need someone to remind you that this is a war and that sucks for people in it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I also love that they gave you a new character that shows up in the third arc just to get destroyed in thir- like 90 seconds. <laughs> She's like, I'm the new recruit. Immediately shot down. Yep. <laughs> yep. Gundam confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have new recruits. No. I do I do hope Marsh like has more going on because he's someone who's definitely aware that he is being very poorly used by his like 
like superiors, um, but doesn't really take a lot of action on that point where we're at right now. Oh, and as <laughs> what? Just the history of Gundam characters is coming into my head. Yeah, yeah. I would like I would like to see at some point them confront the fact that all their leadership is terrible and do something about it. Yeah, uh, I don't too. know if I'll get that. Well, he he but... did get tried for treason and yes, going to get yes. executed. So there's yes. that. Yes. And continues to work for all of those people. <laughs> That's true. He does just go right back into working with those people, In which fact, is great. I, yes, his... I, do, I do really like... Uh, yeah, I guess we didn't talk about the part where after the first arc, there's just a one-year time skip because all of the main characters are in fucking jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, we were in jail for a year, and now the new status quo has emerged. And there's a ridiculous shot of them all like walking out like it's a fucking... Like, walking out of a... Uh, into like an arena shot from a film. And they're yes, all lined it's... up. <laughs> Yes, I do love that. Uh, getting the full Koaraki, but then they just signed right back up. Dumbasses. The same person who did him for treason put him in like a death trap in the final arc. Yep. Yeah, but then yeah he- that guy should be. They should mutiny. They should mutiny. That's what I want. But I don't know if I'll get that. Uh, but he gets. He gets a noble death. So now. Uh, because I don't think the show is going to have them become the cops, right? Like in the same way that like. Amro should have done something, and they, or Bright should have done something, and then didn't, and became the problem. Oh, I don't worse. think that's where this is going. It's much worse. It's much worse. They did do something, and then became the problem. <laughs> that's, true. Yeah, that's true. They did do something. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's going to go that far. Because uh, because the one thing that this show does that um, ne- doesn't happen in the anime of this type, right, is that the actual Admiral at the top is a good guy. Uh, so all of the shitty like command stuff is between the grunts and then the one noble admiral trying to hold it all together. Yeah, um, very Star Trek hours happen. Yeah, very Star Trek hours. Because <laughs> in an anime, um, that guy would just be a shit too. Yes. Yeah. What What's interesting is in the second season they team up with the pirates, so there's like a real oh, yeah, dynamic of, of the pirates and the admiral and all that other stuff. It's interesting because like the pirates just drop out of the plot for after that first arc because they're definitely set up as the third major faction and then just kind of quietly disappear. Because they they mentioned him in the, like the tags on episode thirteen is like you've got a new yeah. mission, go find the leader of the pirates, and he's like, you what, mate? <laughs> go find who? <laughs> And then they yeah. cut to face on he's like, I'm a weird cyborg now. Yes. Which, uh, I'm interested in that. I don't understand how a human, like, the Earth Pirate Alliance is anything other than, like, a terrible idea that will blow up in their faces, but I'm excited to watch it blow up in their faces. I, I too, am excited to watch it blow up in their faces. Yeah, supposedly it was trying to do the U.S.-Russian alliance in World War II. That was kind of the pirate... Well, okay. Hmm. Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking emoji. (laughs) (laughs) The Russians just like space pirates. Yeah. You also you also find in the second season that they were just penal workers that got left when it was too uh, expensive. Oh, good. That's good shit. I'm here for that actually. And that's why they're pirates because they got abandoned by the corporations or whatever. Mm. actual star trek hours then yep no that's good yep. stuff yeah i like that a lot uh them being the space maquis is much better than them being space soviets <laughs> yes uh well we'll see all of the ways that goes up and down uh if we ever get to that but i'd like to one day yeah, yeah. uh but that that's yeah that's definitely all i have yeah that's all i have as well justin do you have anything uh no i'm pretty good cool 
Right. Uh, uh, do you have any plugs or anything? Nope, I try to stay off there and as much as possible. <laughs> oh, you know what? You're living a better life than the Fair rest of enough. us. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. Um, Jackson, do you want to do some plugs? I am at Headfuls Off on Twitter. Uh, you can find the other podcast that we do at abnormalmapping.com. There's a whole bunch there. You should listen to Abnormal Mapping. We just did an episode on Hacknet. It's very good. We're doing an episode on Link's Awakening scene. I feel excited about Abnormal Mapping again in a way that, it's, you know, We've said another podcast, but uh, it just kind of became the one we do. But now I feel energized about it, and you should listen to it. Should listen to it, it's good. Yeah. Um, you can find the archives for your uncle's beach house on Abnormal Mapping. If you'd like anime more regularly, uh, you can support us at patreon.com slash mapping. For $1 a month, you get The Great Gundam Project every week, which is us talking about two episodes of Gundam and a backup show. Right now we're watching G Gundam, we just started, and Pat Labor, the OVA series. Uh, as for Beach House, we will be back in two weeks, probably, where we are going to be talking about uh, the eccentric family. I always want to say neighbors, but it's not neighbors, it's family. The eccentric family. You can get that on Crunchyroll or Verve if those are available to you. Uh, I started that. It seems pretty good. So cool. We're just going to watch the first season of that, 13 episodes. You know how it goes. Yep. I didn't, re- I didn't realize there was a second season. Yeah, there's a second season. I think that's pretty recent then. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time with more Beach House. And I guess that's it. Podcast over. Doesn't have a cool outro. No. Amaro. Outros are hard. Or I guess Marcelo. Marcelo. <laughs> oh, if the end song was about Marcelo, this would actually be <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>